0: Okay, while well the uh, blue buckets are going round, if you have a Bible with you, you could be turning to the Book of Psalms, which is roughly speaking in the very middle of the Bible, very convenient. And we're going to be turning to Psalm 127, which I will, uh, which I'll read in just a moment. Psalm 127. Okay, here we go. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gates. So, in our uh, series on the the Songs of Ascent, which are a small collection of psalms from 120 to 134, uh, we've arrived at this one, Psalm 127, is uh, the only one of these particular psalms that's attributed to uh, Solomon that Solomon wrote this one it's also the, the eighth psalm in this little collection which means we're right at the midpoint um, of this little journey through these psalms so I could start by saying whoa, we're halfway there Amen. (laughs) Right, and (laughs) onwards. We are halfway through this particular journey and you wonder what would be going through the pilgrims' minds when they got to halfway. Wherever halfway was for them, they were travelling from home and they were heading up to Jerusalem. They'd made the decision to to leave home, go on this journey uh, as an act of devotion to God, to go and celebrate, going up to Jerusalem for a massive party, and they got halfway. I wonder what they were thinking at that point. I wonder what they were praying at that point. I wonder what they were singing at that point, maybe even uh, this psalm. I wonder if at that particular point uh, they would be more liable to worries setting in. Worries about home. What's going on back at home? Worries about the family. How is everyone? Worries about their business. Is it all okay? It's a while since we were there. Worries about the community. Worries about work. And this psalm has enough topics in it to turn anybody's hair a little bit. Uh, great let's just looking at looking at a few of them building a house now i'm guessing not many of us have actually hands-on done that ourselves perhaps you've been very involved in doing something similar recently but anyway building a house creating something that didn't exist i don't know if you've ever watched uh the program grand designs where a couple embark on a a massive building project and they they sort out their budget and they 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 come up with a design for something that's totally unique no one else has ever done anything like this and they set about working with all their contractors and hoping that the suppliers come through and the the weather's okay and the money lasts and the foundations are all right and you kind of watch the program thinking what are you doing this is just a recipe for so much stress and conflict but they feel compelled to create something that didn't exist before and that kind of drives them through, most of the time, as each episode unfolds, uh, in a successful way. At, at the end of the episode, at the end of however long this project was, they have something to show for their, uh, their efforts. I wonder if it's a little bit like that for people who are self-employed. You decided to create something, create a business that didn't exist. And you're kind of, uh, you've been building up your client base Uh, hoping that the suppliers come through maybe even hoping that the weather's reasonable and uh, with your with your kind of uh, uh, financial well-being at stake on the success of this particular business I guess worries and stresses can be involved in that Um, I wonder for some of you if it's about education you're you're in the midst of maybe exams or maybe you've just finished them thinking "I'm, I'm trying to build my future here Trying to build up my portfolio. I'm trying to build my qualifications. Don't know precisely what the future's going to involve, but I want to make sure that I'm equipped for it. So I'm going to study hard. I'm going to work for those uh, exams. And even in the life of the church, there are things that people have, have done which are, are new. They didn't exist before. But uh, we have a food bank, and, and Chris Marriott and his team have kind of developed it from scratch, from nothing. It didn't exist other things just didn't exist but they've, they've come into existence so there's building a house there's watching over the city this is not so much about creating something new from scratch but guarding and maintaining what's already been constructed being a, a lookout for any sign of potential threat or danger on this city and the people who live uh, within it actually that's what church elders are called to do in the life of the church be on the lookout be watching um, for for things that could unsettle or uh, or threaten our progress in God but I know many of you will also be involved in in your in whatever you do for a living may involve a significant amount of safeguarding actually making sure that people's lives are kept safe monitoring and being aware of the threats and the risks that might be involved in families that you're serving by virtue of the job that you do. Emergency planning, always thinking in the context of work, what if, what if, what if. We've got to make sure every eventuality is covered. Um, One of our favourite board games, yes we are that kind of a family, um, is called Pandemic. And in Pandemic, the different thing about this particular board game is rather than competing against the other players you're all in a team together trying to save the world. It's very noble. Um, And each player will select a particular role and there are different roles that you can have. Basically every person has a special move. And in this particular game there is a contingency planner and they have a rubbish special move. Nevertheless, it's their train of thought to always be thinking what if, what if, contingency, contingency. How can we kind of... Cover all the options, and and perhaps that's what your uh, your work involves. You're always having to think. You're always having to be alert. Um, if something's going to go wrong, what could possibly go wrong? How can we make sure we make a reasonable, decent plan? Also, in this psalm, raising a family. Now, let me be absolutely clear that the Bible is entirely positive about children and uh, and family. Nevertheless, I think it 's in this psalm, because there 's another area that could just be weighing on people 's minds. we 're told here it's isn't it 's wonderful, isn 't it? Blesses a man whose quiver is full of them, picturing children as arrows. One commentator has pointed out that perhaps children are a handful before they're a quiverful., goof. Well, I discovered this week that uh, apparently globally there are at least 228 names that derive their meaning from kind of one, well, I don't know if it's just one root, but they they have a common meaning, gift from God. So it could be uh, John or Jane or Janet. It could be Matthew. It could be Giovanni, apparently, or Donatello. But anyway, I wonder if that's the case because loads of parents have needed to realise, you little gift from God. But it's just that reminder or in those little frustrating moments um, when something's perhaps missed the potty or something's missed the mouth or someone's awake really early, again, a reminder, no, God has blessed you. God has blessed us. Children are a, a blessing, a gift from God. So I wonder, halfway there, whether there are some singing lips but some distracted hearts. Somewhere in the mix of all of these things, there can be a a worried thought process. How are we going to get through this? What's going on back at home? How's work going to pan out? Um, And um, this can happen in moments when we're by ourselves, and suddenly we decided, well, not necessarily suddenly, we have set aside some time to spend with God. We open his word, just us and him and his word, and that's the point. Where a mental to-do list kind of just gets highlighted in front of our very eyes, and that's all that we can think about. All these preoccupations, all these thoughts, just at the point I open my Bible. Oh, I must go and deal with. Oh, hang on a minute, and we feel a bit torn. And perhaps that's the case sometimes when we gather together to worship, when we we sing. Maybe sometimes it takes a couple of songs just to just to acknowledge, but perhaps to squeeze out some of those uh, that that kind of background noise in our minds of of worries and concerns. We want to walk with God and then we get to the point, yes, we are worshipping in the spirit and we've been helped by these songs and scripture over here and someone's sharing there and oh yes, I am giving my attention to him. But actually, if we're perfectly honest, it starts with there's so much to do this week. There's so much going on. How, how are we going to get through it all? This is going on in family life. This is going on in work life. This is going on with our house. This is going on with other friendships and relationships in the neighbourhood. So much. So, walking with God in work. How do we do it? What is it that you are building? How can we avoid it being in vain? Now, there was a grand episode, a grand designs episode, where a couple or a family, I'm not quite sure who it was, um, made a houseboat. If any of you remember this one? Because it's come up on the news recently because that houseboat, years later, has washed ashore without any owner in sight. It's just beached. No one's using it. You think, well, they they had this grand design. They built it. They put in so much effort. You can see, in a sense, the fruit of their labor. The boat is there, but it's become a nothing. Nothing. And that's kind of what it means when it's saying it's in vain. Look at this wonderful boat we made. Oh, it's become a nothing. How can we avoid, how can we avoid that scenario that we're actually building something? Yes, we, in a sense we might be able to say, look at what our hands have done, but there might be another way in which we could say, oh, it's, it's, it's not turned out to be of any lasting worth. We didn't build that well. We didn't plan that well. If that's how it's ended up. So how do we walk with God? In those situations. And I've got loads of points, so I'm going to be brief with all of them. Firstly, faith. This psalm is not primarily about our stresses and worries and our activity. Look through the whole psalm again and see that this psalm is about God. It's the second psalm in a little group of three. And as goes the pattern, the second psalm is always about how sufficient God is for every situation that we go through. So that we can trust Him. We see here, the Lord builds. The Lord creates things that don't exist. The Lord spoke into a universe. And because He spoke, nothing obeyed and Came into life. A whole universe was created. The Lord is building. The Lord watches over the city. He's the one who's maintaining and guarding and keeping a lookout for threat and danger. He's active. He blesses us. In this psalm in particular, talks about the blessing of children, but as the rest of these psalms unfold, we'll see more blessings, more beatitudes cropping up in these psalms. And he, he gives, he provides, he gives sleep, we are told, to those he loves. Or which also could be understood, and you may see this in a footnote in your Bible, that while we sleep, God continues to work. So walking with God, the deal is he's working. He's building. He's watching over. He's staying up late through the watches of the night. He's providing us with sleep. He blesses us with children and uh, blesses us with relationship, which perhaps we'll come on to uh, later on as well. And uh, just as a reminder, you may recall, um, to Peter... Uh, chapter 1 I'm getting myself confused as to where to find it 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that Through them, we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. His divine power provides us with everything we need for life and godliness. This is the, this is the starting point. If we're going to walk with God, that's our foundation. That's where we begin. We begin more aware of God's activity. We, we begin by considering, what is God like? Theology is our attempt to continue to answer that question. What is God like? Theology, the study of God, has been a popular pastime in previous generations and ages in this, uh, in this nation. Uh, Studying God, not just an an academic exercise for for a few people that way inclined with a little bit too much time on their hands. Getting to know God, studying what he is like, builds us up and blesses us. God is at work. We've seen the, the, the response to Brexit and, uh, and some of the emotional response that people have brought to that, understandable in many ways, but, uh, but nevertheless, it kind of belies almost an attitude as though God needs to be woken up. Look at all our activity, look at all that we're trying to do to, to work out this situation. Oh, if only God would pay some attention. Do you not realize? Is, is our starting point not faith? Is our starting point not God and what God is like? and that he's sufficient whatever challenges this nation goes through unless the lord builds the house it's builders labor in vain well yes we and others are called called to labor we're called to work we're called to activity but we're called to believe and we're called to trust and we're called to see that god's work is more substantial if we do that then the second thing happens we're not only a people of faith but a people of fruit. As we receive from God, as we read, as we sing about what God is like, it's like the roots of a tree going down and drawing life, drawing nutrients. If you want to work out how how can I bear fruit for God? Well, don't pay so much attention necessarily to to the fruit itself and the branches and all that I'd like to do and all that I'd like to achieve and and my great plans for the world, It actually, I'm just going to put my roots down into him. And I'm going to look at him and I'm going to consider what he is like. I'm going to remember Jesus' words in John chapter 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Actually, apart from him, there's lots we can do. We can run around chasing our tails forever and a day, but it doesn't amount to anything doesn't build anything that lasts. What builds something that lasts is looking to him, putting our roots right down into God. And uh, a few years ago, we moved house. And when we moved house, we we moved with a tree that we hadn't yet planted. We'd been given a plum tree. Because we knew we were going to move, we never put it in the ground in our old place. We waited until we moved. And when we got there, we put it in the tree. We put it in the ground. It was just really a dry spindly twig it was obvious where the branches were and the roots were but there was no life in it at all it did not look impressive whatsoever and do you know what we did we dug a hole and we put it in the ground and we let the rain do its thing and right now it's not like massive but in comparison life has come this plum tree has the appearance of life. There's there's leaves on it and we sort of look, oh, don't pr- prune that branch because it's got fruit on it. There are some branches we have pruned because we're looking to cultivate these little plums. There's not loads of them, it's early days, but a very unimpressive looking twig has become the tree. Why? Because that twig decided with all its might to produce fruit. No, because we planted it in the ground and it started to draw life. It started to receive Nutrition and water and sunlight and then it's growing and the fruit is coming. Do you see the relevance of that picture? We can try so hard at lots of things. Right, I'm going to put my all, we can put our roots down into him. We can do what doesn't seem to be all that fruitful, but this will produce fruit. I'm going to plant myself, I'm going to speak with the Lord, I'm going to get into his word and we'll see what happens Next, As we do that, as we consider God's compassion, actually, as we receive his compassion, it has an effect. It takes root and we're starting to grow compassionate fruit. We're starting to become compassionate because we're so aware of what he's like and we're so aware of what we've received from him. Freely you've received, Jesus said. Freely give. Well, we've got to make sure then we're aware of what we have received or that we have actually received it, full stop. That's how fruitfulness comes. And we see, well, God is working. So work is good, work is noble, work is important. And so, as we see what God has done, it leads us to work. It doesn't lead us into laziness. It doesn't lead us to inactivity. It leads us to productive, fruitful work. That's what God's like. But what we also need to see, thirdly, is that we are finite. So as we're getting to know God and we're seeing what he is like, we see his great love and we become loving. We see his compassion and we we become compassionate. We see his work and we get involved. But there are things about God that we learn or that we see we start to understand more and we'll never become more like that so God is infinite God is omnipresent he is present throughout the entire universe for God there's no difficulty in being in more than one place at the same time it's his nature it's who he is And we will never be like that. We have been created finite, limited, in one place at one time. And we can't transcend that. Growing in God, becoming more spiritual, becoming more mature will not enable us to ever be in more than one place at one time. So if we are trying consistently to be in more than one place, at one time, we are trying to be God. We're trying to be our own hero. We're starting to put the effort, we're starting to put the focus back on ourselves and my work and what I'm doing, what I have to do, and, and how much people need me. And so I've got to run from pillar to post because if I don't, things will get out of control. If I don't, no one else will. If I don't, it won't happen. I think, no, take another look. Consider again recognize look there's an enemy tactic we can be thinking oh, i've got to squeeze everything in i've got to do everything i've got to be the hero of the story but we have an enemy and if he can't push us to one extreme be lazy do nothing you can't do anything if he, if he can't get us to go there if he can't get us to believe that lie oh i can't do anything at all i'm useless then he'll try and get us to go to the other extreme over here, which is do everything, squeeze everything in. You can do it if you really try. If you put the effort in, you can achieve all of your goals, spiritual and otherwise. Uh, Tim Chester has written in the aptly titled book, The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness. He said, "Yeah, we like to think that if we just work hard enough, then we can be sure of building the company, growing the church, raising the family, achieving our goals. And if things go pear-shaped, then a bit more effort and we can solve the problem. What does it lead to? Worry, stress, irritability, going to bed late and setting the alarm clock earlier. Oh, because of all the things that I have to do. There's so much to do. Now obviously there are seasons when the amount of sleep that we get is not entirely within our own hands. But if we're consistently making a decision, I've got to go to bed late and I've got to get up even earlier again, what are we trying to do? We're trying to become God. We're trying to say that we don't need sleep. And we do. Now walking with God is not standing still, uh, nor is walking with God burning out and running on empty. We were created finite, with a built-in need for sleep, which God provides. Saying to us, as we turn out the light, I'll keep working and you can rest. So how much sleep do you need? Are you in danger of persuading yourself that you need less sleep than you actually do? You may not be able to control the amount of sleep that you get. There may be interruptions that you can't control. Maybe sometimes you're on call. Maybe your kids make sure that you're on call or whatever it might be. But we can even spiritualize it and think, well, I've, I, I'm going to bed late. I've got to set the alarm clock early um, because I need to put effort in to my walk with God. And now, please don't hear me wrong. Yes, yes. Let's be deliberate. Yes, let's be disciplined when it comes to personally deciding, yeah, I'm going to walk with God. I want to make time for his word. I want to make time to be just him and I reading from his word, allowing that to then shape and colour my prayers and requests and my praise and my worship. But of course, that's, that's what we want to do if we're walking with him but it's not necessarily more spiritual to think i must set the alarm clock really really early to make sure i get all of this wonderfully fruitful time with god now make some time with god perhaps by making some other choices i could watch the tennis i could watch the, the football i could watch the rugby i could watch this i could watch grand designs actually i'm going to turn it off and I'm going to spend some time with Jesus rather than I'm going to do everything I possibly can and then I must wake up at five o'clock in the morning. It won't necessarily make you more holy. It might just make you more grumpy and more tired because you're not respecting the fact we've been made finite. Now, if sleep presents challenges and it's a difficult time well, let's pray today about that. Let's pray. Now, maybe the issue is relating to health. You know, it might be things that you can't necessarily change. Maybe it's, it's relating to noisy neighbours. I don't know. Maybe it's relating to something else. But let's pray. Let's believe God. Let's ask for his blessing. Let's ask God's help by his word. Maybe just loosen and untie some of the knots of thoughts that we get tangled in. And they're kind of running around in our minds. We go to bed, but we realise, oh, goodness me. My mind is on kind of hyper alert. My body's really tired. This isn't really helpful. Let's pray about that today. Let's believe God for that today. And let's quickly move on before I deprive you of my final two points. Because we are finite, we need to focus. What are God's priorities for you? Remember, God is infinite, He can do everything. And it's not difficult for him to achieve. For us, we need to focus. We might be aware, if you're an ideas person, you might be aware of thousands of opportunities, thousands of possibilities, loads of things that you could give your time to, loads of things that you could give your life to, but meaningfully and fruitfully, how many can you tackle? Three? if you're building a house guarding a city and raising a family you've got enough on your plate if you've got a job with regular hours if you're married if you have children there's quite a lot going on don't pressure yourself into thinking I've got to do all of those thousands of things that have occurred to me and that's difficult because if you're growing in compassion you'll be thinking well I'd really like to I really care I'm concerned about all these different things going on around me I'm concerned about all these different people's lives I'm not saying don't have any connection don't have any input but you can't pour your life into everything so we've got to focus fruitful followers know their God and know their own limits and they know what God wants of them so they can focus. And, and it's important then to see that work, employment, self-employment, uh, volunteering, I suppose, in, in many capacities for some, it's not just an unnecessary evil. If your work means that you cannot make Absolutely every church meeting happening in the course of a week or a month, which is relevant for you, take the pressure off. There's always going to be things that we're doing together. And there's some kind of real red-letter occasions. And we're massively looking forward to Gary and Barb being with us next weekend. Now, actually, it might be that some of you are going on holiday. You know what? That's Okay. It might be that some of you have a particular shift pattern and other things that work. It's okay. Be a fruitful blessing in your workplace. And don't feel guilty by it. Heed um, Paul's word to the Ephesians. In in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 7, speaking to slaves, he says... Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Maybe your work is safeguarding. Work wholeheartedly as to the Lord. But know that it's him who's also watching over the city. Maybe you're building something, building something new. Creating something that didn't exist. Or serve wholeheartedly, without necessarily staying up really, really late and working really, really early and setting the alarm clock silly o'clock. Yet, yeah, work with God, walk with God in what work involves. Now, maybe in the life of uh, of the church, and you wanting to hear God on specific ways that you feel uh, you may be called to serve. It can be so helpful to receive prophecy. And to know God kind of specifically leading and guiding maybe into particular ministries and projects and opportunities. However, don't allow those specifics to so override God-given responsibilities that are highlighted in the word. If you're a husband, if you're a father, if you're a wife. If you're a mother, if you have children, don't use kind of my sense of calling in the kingdom to be a trump card over the fact there are some significant God-given responsibilities. God doesn't need to write in red letters in the sky, love your family, because he's written it in his word. He doesn't need to highlight that in a, necessarily in a prophetic way. It's in his word. Now, if you're not in a fact, if you don't have, um, if you're not married and you don't have your own children, you, well, marriage, children, they're a blessing. But be aware, perhaps your particular season and status in life means you have more opportunity to say, God, what are some of the specifics you want me to be involved in that I can pour my life into with the greater capacity and freedom that you have at this point. Don't just look at the grass, it's greener on the other side. No, I'm walking with God. He knows what my week involves. And I'm going to walk with him and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to focus on that which he's called me to do. And finally, that leads us to family. The note takers at this point could admire the fact that we've looked at a few words have all begin, began with F, but to be quite honest, let's just move on. Um, family. Now, reading this psalm, you could be forgiven for thinking there is a massive disconnect. He's talking about work, labor, um, watching over a city, getting up early, and then so suddenly, like, it's a handbrake turn, talks about sons are a heritage from the Lord. Some people even thought that maybe they're two completely separate psalms that have been bolted together. That is rubbish. Um, as it at the There's a a, a play on words in the two halves of the psalm between house, meaning a a dwelling, something that you are building, um, unless the Lord builds the house, and also talking about uh, family later on, a a house in that sense. There is also similarity in the words that are translated builders, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders' labour in vain. And in Hebrew, the word sons. Not the same, but very similar. So this is also part of God's solution, God's blessing, God's help to fruitful, faith-filled, focused work. When we appreciate that we are finite, we realize, I can't do everything. I'm not called to do everything. And children are a great blessing in that context. Now, maybe it's more old-fashioned nowadays to think that the family business was handed down to a son. I had an uncle who was a builder, apparently. So somewhere in Kent, there's a building which says, C.E. Mayton and Sons. Didn't actually work out that well, but I'll tell you, talk to me about it over coffee. I also had the experience of working in a hardware store once on Rochester High Street, A.F. Smith & Sons. Now, my boss was the fourth generation of Smith who had um, opened this shop. And I was there. His sons there were, were there as well, 13 and 14. And he was already aware. I know a time will come when I will pass the baton on to my sons and they'll take on this hardware shop. They'll probably change it into a motorbike shop, but I don't mind. And it, there was that sense of, of this, this is bigger than me. And God's purposes are bigger than me, so it's not just down to me to do them. And children are a blessing in that regard. Children to continue the work. So yes, they're, back in those days, children may have been, in, a, in effect, the parents' security for the future. We want, some, we want our kids to look after us when we're older. We don't have a pension, there's no welfare state. They'll be there to help us maybe that's there to an extent but also there's that sense of no, I believe God to build something and to maintain something and guard something so I'm going to need help I'm going to need other workers and that, in that sense, parents By, by well, of all the thousands of things that you could be doing as you choose to bless and, and encourage your children it's in the faith that God is going to fire them into the future We're going to run so far, get to a point where we're not going to go that much further. We can fire arrows. Think of Solomon, who wrote this psalm. David had this sense of, I want to build a house for God. God said to David, you ain't going to do it. I'm going to build a house for you. And your son is going to build a house for me. Ah, okay. The baton gets passed on and Solomon builds the house. There's a sad tinge to this psalm because Solomon didn't heed his own words. He didn't pass on very well to his son. And so the whole nation just fractured, became very disunited. I think, well, maybe he didn't invest enough actually in family, in monogamy, in, in his children. So it all fizzled out. It became, what did it become? It became a bit of a nothing. Oh, there was so much that he did that proved to be in... Vain, think about Moses and Miriam and aaron 's mum i don 't think that we actually know her name, but we know from the beginning of Exodus that she made a choice to pour her life out into those three children, and look what those three children would go on to do and shape themselves. What a hero she is. For the choice that she made. Oh, I could have done all of these things, but I focused on these three and I poured my life into them. Think about Paul. We don't know whether Paul had any children. We don't, maybe he was married at some point and his wife left him when he came to Jesus. Nevertheless, he's aware of just the importance of not just me and my effort and what I'm doing. He was aware, I need to draw others in. I need to work in relationship. I need to work in team. So I'm not going to charge on a head because, well, Titus wasn't there. Or he's going to write to the, the, the Corinthians and say, I can't come, but I'm sending Timothy, my son. He wasn't a blood relative, but he regard, he's my son. I've poured my life into Timothy, so I know that he's going to be a blessing. And it's having that awareness of the importance of relationship, of of family in its broadest spiritual sense that we are all a part of. And working out through those means. Yes, we are fruitful. We can be fruitful in a way that doesn't just make us really stressed out and busy. Because we're fixed in our minds, in our faith, on what God is like. That draws through fruit. We're aware that we're finite. We need to focus. We can't be at everything. We can't do everything. And we're aware too that family is a great blessing. Being in a relationship is so vital and important that God has blessed us with more builders and sons and daughters and children to fire into the future. Amen. Let's worship. We'll respond and pray in a moment, perhaps about a few specifics or about some general principles as well. But let's, uh, let's stand, let's take this opportunity to worship God, consider what he is like, and seek him for fruitfulness.